In the holy name of Jesus, amen. I've never preached about my wife, but it is Mother's Day, and she didn't show up at the last two services, so I was a bit more free. <laughs> Nevertheless, um, I'm going to give this a go. The year after we were married, we moved to Cambridge. That was such a hopeful year. My tutors were Brian Spinks, who was the brightest of the young liturgists in England. He's now a professor at Yale. Peter Brooks, who was the greatest scholar of the English Reformation. And Rowan Williams, who even then was warm and poetic, wispy hair and big beard, who is now the Archbishop of Canterbury. But that was also a very painful year for us. Shortly before we decided to go, the government tripled tuition rates for foreign students. And then the very night before we left, the G7 met and devalued the dollar against the pound. We went, but it turned out to be the coldest winter in England in 25 years. And we were so poor that by December, we had ice on the walls inside our apartment. That year, Kirby got a hot water bottle for Valentine's Day. And she figured out that if she could pick up 10 Snickers wrappers off the ground, she could trade those for one bus pass so she wouldn't have to ride her bike to work in the snow. At the end of that year, even though it set my doctoral work back six years, we decided that we would come home and regroup. That was a year of pain. But the very next year became one of the very best years in my life. Norman Nagel, great, kind, and brilliant, had just come to the seminary from Valparaiso University, where he had been the dean of the chapel, and he took me on as his graduate assistant. I knew that if he met me at the door of his study with a Macanudo, that was the best possible thing for me. A great cigar meant a couple of hours of great theological talk. Ron Feuerhahn also came that year from being preceptor at Westfield House. He was kind and generous, and every Friday had all the young boys over to have tea, where he would quiz them one after another about whatever was going on in theology. And those afternoons often went into evenings and dinner with our wives. That was the year that I learned more in one year than I would ever learn again. That was the year of wisdom. You remember that this is how Jesus described life in the church last week, as this combination of wisdom and pain. I put it to you this way, that wisdom is not cheap, and we pay for it with pain. But into the midst of pain comes the viva vox. Somebody somehow speaks the living voice of Jesus, be it at the baptism or absolution or at the Holy Eucharist. And that living word of Jesus enters into us and it guides us and grows us and it guarantees that we will flourish if only we will let that living word have its way with us. 
The gospel for today is the second half of the story. How does that word work? How does it grow? And the difficulty is that the gospel for today is a bit of a jumble. Jesus says, if you keep my commandments, then you will stay in my love. And if you stay in my love, then you will keep my commandments. If you listen to my voice, then you will have joy. And if you have joy, you will listen to my voice. If you know what I'm doing, then you are my friend. And if you are my friend, you will know what I am doing. But people who want some serious spiritual direction, people who want to know what to do next, struggle with those kind of verses because it doesn't seem to give an entry point. It doesn't seem to give a linear progression of what we should do next. How do wisdom and pain and joy all come together and end up being a life that Jesus Christ would be proud of and that the Heavenly Father would be pleased by? When he was young, a young friar from Assisi named Francis was absolutely disgusted by the sight of those with leprosy. He said, when I was in my sins, seeing lepers was terrible. But eventually Jesus led him to live among the lepers, to work with them and eat with them, to mercy them and try to heal them. And eventually, in the midst of all that pain, came wisdom and joy. Later, St. Francis of Assisi would write, What seemed terrible to me became sweet to body and to soul. I stayed with them, and I left the world behind. I stayed with them, and I left my sin behind. And that, you see, is how it works. At first, the notion of listening to the viva vox, this living voice of Jesus given in Scripture and absolution and baptism and Eucharist, at first, the notion of listening to the viva vox and then doing whatever Jesus says makes us sick. It makes us sick because he is good and we are evil and our lives collide. And that is painful. But then comes love, putting others first, touching the sick, being generous, and having mercy, giving up our own ideas about other people, and especially giving up our sins. In total obedience to Christ, listening and doing as he bids, and soon that obedience begins to console us. This is the only thing that will satisfy the deepest yearnings of our heart. By taking our pain for the sake of love, we grow in wisdom and in joy. That is what happened to St. Francis. Jesus loved St. Francis, and he healed him of his sin, in this case of his pride of thinking he was somehow better than those lepers. 
And then St. Francis loved them. And he helped heal them, body and soul. And for him, that was very sweet. That was taking his pain for the sake of love and growing in wisdom and joy. The question, of course, for all of you and for me is where we start. Do we start with the sin? Do we start with the pain? Do we start with the love? Do we start with the wisdom? Do we start with the joy? The answer is, I don't really care. And Jesus doesn't really care either. Life is more often a swirl than it is a straight line. So you just need to start somewhere. You just need to pick something. You just need to do something. You just need to love something or someone. You've come today now and you've heard the Viva Vox, the living voice of Jesus. And you've been forgiven and Jesus lives inside you. And in just a moment, you'll come to the Holy Eucharist and you will be strengthened. So you will know what to do. The real challenge is this. When you leave here, go outside and get busy. Sometimes love will be painful. And sometimes love will even be disgusting. After all, in the church, ick is our demographic. We take everybody just the way they are. It's one of the reasons there's so much tension in the church. You're icky, I'm icky, we let anybody in. But we don't leave people where they are. And Jesus guarantees that eventually his wisdom and his joy will overcome our pain. As we heard from Brother Emil, that divine joy is so large as to contain all of our sorrow and still be divine joy. If we only let it, if we only listen to the Viva Vox, if we only do as he bids, if we only let it satisfy our hearts in obedience to him, and if we do, the living and forgiving voice of Jesus sounds something like this, verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will stay in my love, and my joy will be in you, and your joy will be full. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.